Good morning. Uh, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, March 6, 2020, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 95, the third paragraph. It, uh, it, it starts, if he is sincerely interested, and we're going to read the one paragraph only. So today's readers, we have Tenzin P on the 12 steps and Christina J. on the 12 Traditions. And the readers of the text are Susan H. and Lauren H. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, March 5th, uh, the 7 a.m. meeting, that's 14,217-14217. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 14,219. That's 14219. Uh, the newcomer greeter for the second hour is Matt F. And Deanna B., my neighbor from Chicago here, is going to host the second hour. So here's the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So Tenzin P, would you be kind enough to read the 12 steps? Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thanks, Tenzin. Okay, Christina J., would you be good enough to read the uh, 12 traditions for us? Yes, thank you, Larry. Uh, Christina J. from the state of Washington, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership <clears throat> is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. Uh, Thank you, Christina. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read, and anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only, Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying uh, pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today, once again, we, uh, we resume our study in the big book. We are on page 95, the third paragraph. It reads, if he is sincerely interested. And uh, Susan's going to read the one paragraph only. So um, Susan H., would you be kind enough to uh, get us started? Good morning. I'd be happy to. Thank you. This is Susan H. in Ohio, a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. 
If he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be pushed or prodded by you, his wife, or his friends. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. What really stood out to me this morning, when reading this again, is if he is to find God, the desire must come from within. And the slogan, let go, let God, comes to mind. It's a slogan that my sponsor has used a lot. And it's a slogan that I do well when I remember. (laughs) I don't always. Early on in my journey, when I was... um, sharing the message and uh, trying to work with others and working with others, um, I, I felt the responsibility, like it was my responsibility, what happened as a result of my working with others. And uh, I have come to, to believe that the, miracle, the only miracle is between that person and their higher power. And... Uh, it took a while for me to, to get that. So, yeah, he should not be pushed or prodded by you. Yeah, I don't need to call and pester him. <laughs> and I have no control over his wife or his friends, but uh, it's beautiful when I can accept that this is my work and I will, I will be happy to do it because it always benefits me, every time. But if he is to to find God, the desire must come from within. So I that's, that's all I have to talk about this morning, and uh, I will pass with that. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much for getting us started, Susan. Okay, once again, Susan read page 95, the third paragraph only, and uh, now... Um, since it's the first Friday of the month, we'd like to hear from uh, only people that have a heartbeat. So if you've had a heartbeat in the past uh, couple of days, please give me your, your first name and initial, and we'll get, we'll get started. Vicki Dina. Vicki. 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 Do. There's some heartbeats. Sandy S. Sandy. Chris S. Chris. Teresa P. Lisa, how about one more? Another heartbeat. Irene B. Irene's got a heartbeat. Okay, let's stop there. All right, I got Vicky, Tina, Du, Sandy, Chris, Teresa, and Irene. So the first heartbeat. Hey, Vicky. Good morning. Hi, Larry. Vicky V from Long Island here. So good to hear your happy voice all the time. Uh, coming to you. Uh, compulsive reader, sugar addict, binger, restrictor, happily recovered today. I wrote down my notes, so please forgive me. I try to work this, this book every day when I'm listening to you guys. So I came into Vision for You from a program where people loved me until I could love myself. The freedom of that love allowed me to hit my bottom of another layer of the onion. I finally understood this phrase, while I was welcomed by all, I was consistently told and I constantly heard that I had to get out of myself, out of my story. I didn't understand this. I had crazy resentments over this. 
Um, when I shared that with my first sponsor, she said, well, you may not be ready. You may need to eat again. Well, the addict in me, the first time I heard that said, really? And I went out and that gave me permission. And off again, I was on a spree to hit my bottom once again, you know, to, to go deeper and darker into my addiction. I came back again two more times because I kept listening and reading every day on this on this meeting, uh, reading the big book with everybody, writing and wanting to believe that it could happen for me. Got another sponsor and almost through the ninth step to realize I was doing it again. This time it was flour, not sugar. She told me, you're not abstinent. Each time this happened, I became more vulnerable to God, more willing to believe that everyone else, what everybody else was saying, there was only one way to do this, entire abstinence. I listened to those podcasts, Ruth's podcast, over and over and over again. And I had to have a reliance on a power greater than me. This is now my path of sponsorship. Uh, I eat 13 months sugar-free, uh, flour-free since July, sometime in July. Um, Almost through with my, you know, working with my first sponsee, it was an amazing experience preparing to put myself out there again. My daily shower cannot keep another person clean. We must, must each do this work every single day with the help of a higher power. And I learned from all of you in this big book, especially because I underlined, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. And I'm going to remember that as I move forward. Thank you so much, everybody, for sharing so willingly, openly, honestly, because you are helping people like me make this our lives. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Hey, Vicki, thanks for getting us started. Tina, followed by Du. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Larry. Thanks so much for your service. Tina asked, recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. What a great paragraph. You know, one of the things I actually um, was focused on from the beginning when it was read today was, if he is to find God, the desire must come from within. You know, when I, when I can honestly tell you, when I got here, I didn't come here to find God. I mean, that's just the truth. And uh, through my experience, that's, that, those were my behaviors early on. Um, but what happened was, you know, people did tell me that the solution was in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and I attempted to read. And again, you know, what I think I know is going to kill me. You know, because, you know, I couldn't relate. The, the, the language, the writing for sure was just way out there. You know, nothing like I had ever written. And, and, and again, I tried to read it like a novel. And, and one of the things that I, had, I continue to tell people is that I work from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, there are many other books in Overeaters Anonymous. And, I, and truly, I, I benefited from all. But, you know, I loved also that it said he should not be pushed or prodded by you, his wife, or his friends. You know, because bottom line, people told me long before I came into recovery that I needed it. You know, and I love the saying, it's not for people who need it or want it, but it's for people who do it. And that's the truth. And uh, when I get people that finally, really, bottom line, just want to live a different life and want something that they see in someone else. And that was my experience. Again, I didn't come here to find God. The good news is, you know, through the process of the steps, I didn't have to wait very long before that's what I was looking for because people had talked about it to me. You know, the, the answer was, Bottom line, you know, it wasn't about the diet, the weight loss, what I look like, any of that kind of stuff. It was a spiritual awakening, a transformation that came about through the process of the steps. And that was through a power greater than myself, whether you called it God or whoever you called it. You know, and, and when I'm able to have somebody really want that too, 
then that's just a great place to start. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great stuff. Thanks, Tina. Okay, we have Dew followed by Sandy. Hey, Dew, you're up. Good morning. Good morning. This is Dew L. Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. Thank you so much, Larry. Um, what I get from this is some will, some won't. So what? You keep it moving on, right? So it's it, it's very apparent. You can't say the wrong thing to someone that's uh, ready to hear the message. By the same token, you can't say the right thing to someone that's not really ready to hear the message. So, <laughs> you know, this has to come from within the person. And I love the, the sentence that it said before it starts this paragraph, this he may do after he gets hurt some more. And if he's sincerely interested, right? Sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read the book in the interval. Um, you know, and he must decide for himself. Uh, that's a personal decision. I go through uh, step work with my sponsees and I, bring them to step one. Uh, we look at what those key food ingredients are in their food, and we look at um, going through the process of identifying that. And I always tell the sponsee in the very beginning, it's your choice. You know, what we're gonna do is we're gonna identify those foods, and at that point, you tell me if you wanna continue with the process, because you may not want to continue with the process, right? But at least, you know, um, I put the responsibility on them to make the decision and I tell them, if you continue in this process and you continue to compulsively eat, what you're doing is you're not helping yourself because you're gonna be in the food and you're gonna be in exercise and you're not gonna be able to go through the steps and you're not helping me because I could be helping somebody else that really wants this and you're not gonna be helping somebody else that really needs this time if they really wanna recover. So I leave the responsibility on the sponsee to decide for himself whether he wants to go through the rest of the process, whether they're ready, whether they're not. And I tell him, you can opt out any time that you want. I just had a sponsee go back into the food. She said she's not ready. That's okay. Good. Thank you for letting me know, right? Because if you're not ready, I'm not going to convince you the food is, right? And when you get ready, um, then two things I can't give you, willingness and higher power. And it says, if he is to find the God uh, that he desires, it must come from within himself. So that's a better position if the person is not ready and they go back to the food and then they're beaten and beaten and beaten. And now they become ready because they know they have no other options. And I believe is a personal decision. I'm just here to be a guide. I'm here to help them, to guide them. And if it's meant for me to help them, uh, uh, someone to help them with this process, God is going to do it through me and it's going to take its course on its own. And it's not going to come, you know, because of my, my own inclinations. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do. Okay, now batting, shortstop. Sandy. Good morning, Sandy. Okay. Hi. I like playing shortstop. Um, what what page are we on? <laughs> there, a little short. We are. Oh, no, that's a great question. We're on page 95, the third paragraph, if he's okay. sincerely interested. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. Mm-hmm. 
Huh. You know, I really think that every moment is an opportunity for me to practice finding God. And the best way I can help another person have that desire to find God is to be a demonstration of the power of God. And I think that, you know, when I sponsor someone, all I want is for them to have a relationship with a higher power that keeps growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And the only way I can do that is, like people say all the time, recover, 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 strengthen my relationship with God. And if someone sees, I mean, what what really gets me to change? When I see someone else transforming, like, I want what they have. Like, wow, I'll do what you're doing. You know, if I can be an example of that, uh, I think that's the thing that's most helpful I really struggle with step two and step three, and somebody recently gave me a homework assignment that has really just shifted step two and three for me, and it is to write down every spiritual experience I've had and what lesson I've learned from it. And like, I'm in shock uh, about how many spiritual experiences I had, and I even had one today. I'll just share this real quickly. I'm a school psychologist. I'm 72. I'm not practicing. One of the people calling me for a 10-step is a teacher. And I was just so excited about the problem she was having. Um, you know, and she said to me, I'm going to, do you do Instagram? I want you to see my classroom. I mean, it was just like, I was so excited. I loved this. I loved working as a school psychologist. And the reason I bring this up is that what God's about for me when I could find things I love more than food? And one of the things I love more than food, definitely, and what got me abstinent, is that feeling of connecting with someone else, the feeling of love, you know, not forcing myself to be of service, but just really wanting it because I love it. And someone gave me that opportunity today, and that's a spiritual experience for me. And if I could communicate that to someone else, I think they can have spiritual experiences in their life and without iPads. Thanks, Andy. Okay, we have Chris uh, followed by Teresa. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. This is Chris, and I am a compulsive eater and anorexic and uh, thrilled to be here on the line and hearing everyone and uh, getting to share and uh, I'll just say that, you know, I come on this line and I'm fairly new to listening to these meetings. I've been in OA for a long time, but new to these meetings. And, uh, you know, to hear everyone day after day brainstorming and sharing ideas, how can we best serve thee? Or, you know, it's in the book, how, how, can we, how can we best serve? How can we best carry the message? How can we, how can we help other people um, you know, recover, and we're all trying to figure out the very, very best way to do it, and everyone's sharing ideas, and some of us agree or don't agree, all that, you know, but the essence of what happens here every morning as we are, especially on this working with others um, part of the book, just, you know, brings me to tears practically that, that we all want so badly to keep this for ourselves and to give the gift to somebody else and how to best do that. So um, I certainly have no idea. I know that um, getting on this line helps. Uh, I recently was able to put my name in a sponsor bank, which is something I don't 
normally do. Uh, actually, I had done it. I got my last sponsee that way. Um, but um, this is a strong paragraph, very inspiring. And I, too, that, that thing of, like, I, I, I knew my very first meeting. I, I knew. I'm not saying all these years I've had a great program or anything like that, but I knew. And this acceptance of the room and the quietness, and I was one of those ones who was, I had no intention really ever of sharing, but I sat and I knew these people uh, got it and I was going to keep coming. And then uh, early into my recovery, maybe in my fourth, fifth, or seventh meeting, I don't know, I was sitting at a meeting and someone did, quote, unquote, the wrong thing. You know, they said, well, we all know there's someone here who has, still hasn't shared because <laughs> the meeting was towards the end and, and everyone had shared. You know, it was a small meeting and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, and I knew he wasn't supposed to do that. I had read all about this and no one's being forced to share and blah, blah, blah. But I was such a people pleaser, whatever. I had no idea that I could just say I don't want to share. So I shared, opened my mouth for the first time, started bawling. And um, afterwards, I, I, I had known my day, that day my asthma was kind of bad and I knew I was probably going to have to walk over to Lenox Hill Hospital and go to the emergency room because my inhaler was kind of not working, and I just knew that that's, it was a spring season, something like that. I just knew that was going to happen. And I shared briefly about that. Well, no, I don't think I shared. I just bawled. I bawled. People came over, talked to me. I finally, over well, that brick wall came down. And after sharing and hugging, you know, I did not need to go to the emergency room. That relief, you know, relieved for, for that day anyways, my lungs and and it was just one more certitude that this is for me. And the guy had, quote, unquote, done it wrong, you know. So we don't know. God does. Um, this is a creative endeavor, totally creative, passing the word on, getting newcomers in, totally creative. And that's, I believe, creative is always about God. And um, I'm thrilled to be here and look forward to hearing everybody else. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Chris. Okay, we got Teresa, and then we'll go to New Orleans visit with Irene. Hey, Teresa, good morning. Hi, this is Teresa P., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and uh, I really am so grateful that we're um, doing that part about working with others, and, you know, it's a lot in there, and, you know, I just need to hear it a lot, and and I do do need that phrase, he is to find God, he should not be pushed or prodded and it all goes back to I get to remember it's not my job to control a push and prod I am just a big book guide I just get to share you know my experience and uh, what I know and and read the big book and just keep reading it and and I, I got to share that yesterday in fact I actually had my sponsee ask me uh, say she, you know, she didn't think she was supposed to go on first beyond the first, you know, couple of pages. And I said, no, you get to read read as much as you want, you know, just keep reading it. Whatever it's, you know, the answers are there. You know, I don't know, you know, how to do things. I I read the book myself, and that's where I get my information. And uh, of course, I listen to a vision for you, which helps explain more. It makes it. it um, more easily accessible. The more ideas I hear about this, the same thing, the more it brings alive in my mind. And of course, I can use it for myself because you know it helps me see me. I don't want anybody pushing or prodding me. You know, 
I can, well, with program, years in program, I can actually hear a few things now that uh, I need to look at. In fact, I actually had an experience with, I have asthma and went to the, um, went to the doctor and, um, you know, because I'm having problems and, um, and I actually felt like she was angry at me. I said, well, you know, you should, no, you should be better taking care, taking better care of it. You should know or whatever thing. It was just like, you know, I felt wounded and I get to remember, oh, it's just information. You know, I get to hear it's just information. And I hear uh, the sponsor, you know, they're into the food again and, you know, and what I got to do at this time is just say, well, did you, you know, did you um, see where the obsession came in? And well, she's, she saw it. She's, she's talking about it now. And this is a person who didn't even recognize that, you know, it was real and couldn't even get close because it was too painful for her. And so what I get to do is just keep taking it one step at a time and, you know, let God lead me and uh, when it be, and if that, however it works out is, you know, I'm learning and I'm staying abstinent. I, that, and I, I love hearing that too, that I'm doing this 12 step because, you know, it's helping me. I, I need this. And it is, it is a pleasure. And I love hearing the big book over and over and over for me is it, it's a sort of nourishment and, you know, and so that's the gift I get for myself. I do tell my sponsors, I thank them and, and tell them that they are helping me stay abstinent for this day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, thanks, Teresa. Okay, Irene, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Oh, my gosh, it makes my heart so happy to hear your voice. I am Irene B., and you are very close. A very grateful recovering bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So um, I'm so excited to hear all these beautiful shares, and it's just so encouraging, inspiring, and it fills me with hope. And I look at this paragraph, and so many things come over me, and I don't know where to begin. That's my. That's usually how it works. Uh, but the last sentence in here it says, "If he is to find God, the desire must must come from within." And you know, prior in the chapter, you know, we were told not to talk too much about God if that turns them off, because you know we don't want to turn them off. Um, and I didn't come here to find God. Um, and I didn't come here to get skinny. I came here because I was tormented by self-flagellation, the internal self-talk, the self-hatred that I didn't know I was doing because it was happening at an unconscious level. All I knew is that I felt pain. I felt, I was just, I was in pain, always hurting. I was in hurt. And I just wanted the hurt to stop. I wanted I wanted to to recover. When I was fat, I thought that if I were skinny that I would be happy. Well I've been skinny for thirty some odd years. Forty actually. 
1943. And being scheming did not make me happy at all. As a matter of fact, when I was in bulimia, my desperation, my disassociation, my disconnection was infinitely worse than what I ever experienced being in the food as a compulsive overeater without the purging. And uh, so I just wanted the pain to stop. I will say that I wanted to have a relationship with God, and I tried and tried and tried. I became a Sunday school teacher. I, I, I went through Stephen ministry training and was a Stephen minister. I, um, I went to church. I tried. I read the Bible. And I could not connect with God. But this program has taught me to connect to God. And it's funny that um, that I'm talking to a, a new sponsee, and, and, and all of a sudden I had the, the Holy Spirit said, after a question, it's like, what do you want most? And she says, I'm just sick and tired of being fat. And I'm so glad that I asked the question because that's what she's she's been in OA for a very, very long time. But but her goal is to get skinny, you know. And, um, And she has a very close relationship with God. But like me, she was blocked and she didn't know how to stay connected to him on a moment by moment basis. And that's what this program teaches us. And by staying connected to him, a power greater than ourselves, we can't on our own, but with him we can. Then we find that we go through life difficulties without being in pain. And that's the miracle of recovery. I'm facing some difficult life situations, and I am not happy and joyful and skipping through the streets or anything like that, but I'm not miserable and I'm not suicidal. And that's a miracle. So I just have to thank you guys for being such an inspiration and for teaching me how to be a, a sponsor. You know, you know, um, I just need to learn. Gentle. Oops, thank you. And I passed. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks so much, Irene. Okay, if you if you got on a little bit later this morning, we're uh, on page ninety five, the third paragraph, and uh, we'll take some more heartbeats here. Who'd like to share? Harlan G. Harlan. Le- Leah S H from Portland. Leah. Amanda Melissa B. Shea. Amanda. Melissa. Tina S. Tina S. How about one more? Sandy C. Sandy. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> Let's go with that. We got Harlan and Leah, and I see Amanda and Melissa and Tina and Sandy. But let's get started with this newcomer. Hey, Harlan, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you very much for your service. I'm Harlan G., and I'm in Bradenton, Florida this morning. And uh, if it's, if he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, Ask him to read this book in the interval. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be pushed or prodded by you, his wife, or his friends. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. 
You're asking me to give up my best friend. You're asking me to give up my safe haven when the girls didn't want to kiss me and they just wanted to be friends. When life didn't go my way, when things did go my way and I was happy, food was there, and food did something for me, not to me. Let's forget that for just a minute now. Food did something for me that nothing else could do. Food took away that feeling of being different than other people. It took away that feeling of being a victim. It took away completely that feeling that I was worse than or better than, but certainly different from everyone in my environment. It took away that feeling of what I felt inside as compared to what you looked like on the outside. My trembling, scared, broken insides could never compare to your outsides. And then a Butterfinger bar came by. And that Butterfinger bar did something for me that no words or anything could possibly do. It gave me a feeling of belonging. It gave me a feeling like everything could be okay. Now you're asking me to give that up. And you're asking me to give it up for a concept of a higher power that had never worked for me. That's faith. Right there, that's faith. And what you're doing is you're giving me this information that it worked for you, but you're better than me, smarter than me, thinner than me, better looking than me. You're all these things, richer than me, and I'm going to take a leap of faith the only thing that's going to motivate that is pain like would stun a hippopotamus. And that pain is the only motivator. Words won't get me there. Words won't make it so that I don't want to eat again. Only the pain of consequence is going to make it so that I'm going to begin a process of accepting that my way just doesn't work. And either I'm ready or I'm not. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks, Harlan. Have a great retreat down in Florida. Okay, we have uh, Leah uh, followed by Amanda. Hey, Leah, good morning. Leah, press uh, star one, if you would. Here I am. There you are. Yeah, uh, this is Leah S.H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Portland, Oregon. And the last sentence is what has my attention. Um, Let me just pull it up again. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. I want the people that uh, ask me to sponsor them, I want them to have this desire. Um, And I used to think it was my job to kind of sell them on that desire and you know after some very difficult you know 
situations with with sponsees that ended up leaving, um, I realized that that's not the case. Um, You know, God is the most important aspect in my life. And nobody prodded me into that. Nobody could talk me into that feeling. I, I, I'm, I entered programs with that desire, even though it was blocked among, you know, there was a lot of blockage to my power. But I had that desire, and I, I wish I could, I wish everybody could have that. You know, that's, I think the world would be a lot different. Um, but I know it's not my job, and I can't find the exact right words to convince them. All I can do is, you know, the best way I can sponsor is to have access to that power in that moment that I'm speaking with with the sponsees and just demonstrate it. And I remember my sponsors did that for me. And because I already already had that desire, I recognized that in them. I don't think um, if I didn't really want, you know, to have this connection with my higher power or with, with any higher power, that I would even have listened or heard or felt that experience in, in my sponsors. So, um, you know, I, I definitely wish I had a magic wand and, and could wish recovery on, on anybody. But all I can do is wish recovery on myself and be, be grateful that I have this deep desire to look for my, you know, connection to my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Leah. Okay, we have Amanda followed by Melissa. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Sorry, that took me a second. Um, I'll be fast and furious here. Um, You know, the thing that's coming to me is I just have to recover, and then people are, it's attraction rather than promotion. I don't have to go up to people and say, I found God. I don't have to go up to people and say, I'm not eating. I don't have to go up to people. Like, I just don't have to do that. It's attraction rather than promotion. If I'm walking around calm, cool, collected, and grounded in my higher power, and I'm not getting mad at other people because I'm not turning them into my higher power, then people see that. Um, And and that's attraction. I don't have to push, prod, or do anything with anybody. So um, over the years, I guess over the last 15 years, I just have really moved to just recovering just recovering as best as I can and um, and listening to the intuitive voice and you can probably hear the wildness in the background so with that I'll pass thanks so much (laughs) thanks Amanda okay with less than five months of school in New York Melissa it's your turn good morning hi good morning Larry Melissa I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York and Thanks for the countdown. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I, 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 we meet so many people, right? And um, you think surely they're done, right? Like people call, um, they sound like they're done, and they give you their their history, their their issues with weight, or their issues with with trying to control this thing, and you think. Okay, awesome, they're done. And sadly, like, many of them are not, you know. And the best speakers on this line, and, and you guys are amazing, I learned so much, were not motivational speakers. None of you were motivational speakers, you know, because the motivation has to come from within. And, and, and like Harlan was saying in the beginning, you know, the sad truth is that the only motivator 
that I know of is pain. You know, it's a tremendous pain. And, you know, I, someone asked me yesterday, when, when am I, the person asked, when am I going to be done? When am I, when is it going to be my bottom? You know, and I just kind of repeated what I hear here. Like, I, I guess when you're done digging, I don't know. And, and then she asked, well, what happened to you? And what happened to me, I think, is an incredible blessing, and I only hope it happens for other people. The food stopped working. I couldn't get high off the food, and I couldn't get numb off the food. I couldn't get to zero. And and I tried. <laughs> I just, I, I realized um, it wasn't the food anymore. And I, I really, I think, you know, I just reached a point where, I couldn't consume enough, and I didn't care. At that point, I didn't care what you told me to put down. I was willing to put it all down. And, and yeah, I meant entire abstinence. And, yeah, it meant losing my best friend, too. But I knew that it was a friend that had turned on me, and it wasn't giving me any, you know, any relief. And then you guys were friendly and kind, and you had what I wanted. And I think that's the only thing we can do for people. You know, I... None, nobody's motivational speaker. I think the best motivation is watching those of us, you know, those of you that live these beautiful recovered lives. And um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Tina followed by Sandy. Hey, Tina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everybody. This is Gina F. in Connecticut, recovered just for today. And, wow, I am uh, I'm thinking about how I have heard a lot in this program and have probably said myself um, at face-to-face meetings and when people call um, looking for uh, support, we say, do you have a sponsor? Have you gotten a sponsor? Um, and I think that for me, when I was new in uh, in this program, I I thought that sponsors had some sort of magical power to make me recover. And uh, so no wonder we're afraid to sponsor others. I thought I had to know things. <laughs> I thought I had to, you know, be a, a motivational speaker like uh, <clears throat> like was shared or, you know, know the, the, the history of uh, the big book back and forward. And that's not what I have to offer when I work with others. The only thing I have to offer is my own experience. And I really can't screw that up because that's, that's all I have. That's all I have to offer is what happened to me and what I did. And my sponsor always said to me, um, you know, it doesn't work if you tell people what to do. It works if you share what happened to you and what you did. Share it from your experience. Don't, you know, command others. And that, that is, I found to be absolutely true. And it's taken a lot of the fear and the pressure off for me. You know, I would spend, I would, I don't want to say waste because, you know, being a support person is always helpful, but I would spend a lot of time hanging on to sponsees that weren't ready to recover, and I would just hang on with them and hang on with them um, for a while, waiting for them to be ready, and I probably would have been kinder to let them go um, and let them hit their bottom sooner um, so that we could do the real work of being a sponsor, which is just leading somebody through the steps as I was led through the steps. Um, I can't be 
you know, I can't solve your problems for you. I can't find God for you. I can't uh, work the program for you. Um, I can just share what I, my experience, and I, the only person I have to be to do that is me. I don't have to be anybody else. Um, so I'm just another bozo on the bus, as they said, and that really humanizes me and keeps me in my place, which is no better and no worse than anyone else walking this path. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Gina. Okay, we have uh, Sandy. Sandy, good morning. Good morning, Sandy C. in Fall River, Massachusetts. Um, recovering, uh, very, very new to A Vision for You. Mind you, I signed up six years ago, but I've been actually listening for about five months. And um, what I felt moved to share today is that I'm struck in this paragraph and the five or six preceding it that this is a roadmap for setting boundaries in my whole life. Like I have been very controlling and very manipulative and very much forcing outcomes and I need to apply what we're learning here to everything in my life. And then as I was listening this morning, I also remembered that I think for me, food was great. It was my best friend too. But weight was my boundaries. I used weight. I kept 140 pounds on my body. Um, and I've lost 100 of that in program and I have 40 more to go. And weight for me has always been my suit of armor. It has been the thing that has made boundaries when I didn't know how to make boundaries. And so a simple instruction as it's not my job to do anything, right? It's my job to show up and share my experience. Like that is a foundational piece of information that I desperately needed and had to work through everything that I went through to find this program and to find these rooms and to find this big book. And I just want to um, say that one of the great gifts of my program is that my mother passed away and she was 35 years sober when she went. And the big book that I use today is the big book that she used. And it contains her notes and her highlights. And when I read that big book, I get to reconnect with my mom, and I miss her a lot. Although she was no good at boundaries either, but I loved her, and she loved me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Sandy. Okay, we have time for another share or two. Who would like those uh, spots? Stacy J. Stacy. We'll go, Stacy. Let's start with you here, and then we'll uh, we'll go Vinny from there. So, oh, and Vin, then Vinny. So why don't we go like two and a half minutes each? Okay. Hello, Canada. <laughs> Thanks so much, Larry. This is Stacy J. Um, recovered food addict in Toronto, Canada. Two and a half minutes. So I'm just starting my timer. Um, uh, I have a friend uh, who's a long time recovered AA and she says that when someone approaches her uh, when they want to stop drinking she has found that over the many years over the decades she's been in AA that she finds that what her approach is you probably don't want this it's a lot of work it's a pain in the you know you know what (laughs) and and so that is her approach you probably don't want this and uh, she's like I'm going to a meeting you probably don't want to come um, and she's found over the years that that works much better than um, trying to persuade anybody. 
And I think for myself, um, I have over five and a half months of recovery after 12 years of terrible relapse. And uh, nobody could have dragged me to a meeting and no one could have persuaded me during my relapse to um, to do this. And in fact, you know, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder uh, about OA and I wanted to go out and prove to you guys that I could do this on my own um, and then come back and be like, see, <laughs> and uh, if I can save anyone 12 years of wasted time, that did not work at all. And it was miserable. Um, so, you know, the approach that, she, that my friend mentioned probably would have worked on me, actually. Um, so I can, I, I can use my experience now, um, working with sponsees to remember that nobody is going to force them to do anything. And in fact, efforts to do that will probably, um, push them out the door, just like, just like, you know, a stubborn, uh, alcoholic, you know, we are rebellious people. We are resistant to anyone getting us to do anything. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful. I don't know why I finally decided to be in, in the rooms with you guys and do what was suggested to me, but no one told me to do anything. And that light-handed approach worked for me. And now uh, I have this piece that I, that I just could not get on my own and uh, very grateful for it. Thank you very much. I'll pass. Thanks, Stacy. Okay, Vinny, the best for last. How are you? <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Am I being heard? You are. Oh, thanks. Uh, this is Vinny T. in North Carolina, and I'm probably not going to even need two and a half minutes. Um, as I as we were reading this today, and, and I'm hearing what everybody's saying, I I realized that learning you know, that there was something, you know, greater than myself and everyone else um, was such a relief for me. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I don't have to do all this for myself. Um, and <laughs> that is such a joy to come to that point where we just say, you know, what is it, the expression, K Sarah Sarah, and boy, does that feel a lot better than I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to fix everything. Um, and with that, um, I'm, I'm just really grateful, and I'll pass. Thanks. Uh, we're grateful for you, Vinny. Thanks so much. Okay, so we're going to wrap up here, and thank you to everyone who has shared and joined us this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study that will immediately follow uh, the closing. The share ID for this meeting today um, is, uh, again, March 6th, is 14,221. That's 14221. And so we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And hey, Lauren H., good morning. Would you read that for us? Larry, it's Lauren N., but thank you very oh, much. Oh, I'm sorry, Lauren. That's okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you 